Hey everyone, this is Arnold with Warm Welcome. Really excited to continue this series that I'm doing with San Chinatown Love, featuring some of their merchants and the daughters of the families that are really stepping up during this during this uncertain time. So today I, I'm featuring a conversation that I, I had with Alice, and Alice's family runs Grand Tea Imports, which is a honestly a, a Chinatown staple for folks looking for unique tea blends, spiritual goods, and, and very niche Chinese cultural items. So they've been around since 2006, and um, you know, admittedly, when I first walked in, I, I really thought it just sold a little bit of everything. It wasn't until my conversation with Alice that all these little, almost knickknacks and, and, and items all have a very deep meaning. They all symbolize and represent something. And uh, it's really much more than the material itself. It's about preserving Chinese traditions, customs, and culture. And uh, it was a very, very eye-opening conversation for me, and that really made me reconsider my previous bias, maybe, towards some of these stores that I would see in Chinatown that I wouldn't really even um, take a second look at, to be completely honest with you. So I had a, a really fun time getting to know Alice, getting to know her family business, and um, you know what they're going through right now. It's, it's a lot of consolidating of businesses, uh, closing down certain stores and reopening and looking for a new location and things like that. So um, really excited to share this conversation with Alice um, from Grand Tea Imports. So my dad, um, who is known in the community as T. Fuchsius, he did. Um, he had come to America in the 1980s, wow. and yeah. did not go back to China until I think like 2006 for the first time. He went back to China, so he spent over 20 years in America oh, already. In the States. Wow. Yeah, um, and he did not go back, and so the first time he ever went back was 2006, um, and during that time. Um, during that time, he saw like a bunch of people, or tea becoming a bigger industry in Chinatown. Uh, I mean, not in Chinatown, in China. And a lot of people just, in the 20 years that he's been gone, tea really evolved into a much more cultivated and um, like higher-end commodity. Right. Um, they were able to, you know, with the expansive market that there is there and the demand, uh, the constant demand, right. they were, you know, the product was able to evolve, the market was able to evolve so that it's much more higher end. And so it made him think about the business in Chinatown and like how tea is viewed in, in Chinatown back in 2006. Wow. Um, he like really had a problem with how Chine Chinese tea in Chinatown was really low quality, low grade tea that people just gave for free at restaurants. And <laughs> right. it was kind of just like flavorless. Like liquid. water or tea kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and like it, the tea didn't taste like anything or any, yeah. And so he kind of brought it back here um, as like a passion project and then uh, to like change people's idea and like consumption habits mm. around tea. And then another thing was like, he was always really into teaching me and my sister, my sister and I, about um, Chinese culture and having that passed down. 
And so um, tea just became a vehicle to our at-home education and our cultural education. Yeah. Um, yeah. Wow, yeah. that's awesome. So what was he doing in like the 80s and 90s? Was he was he also kind of in this business or? No, so uh, in the, he came in the late 80s. Yeah. Um, and he worked in our diner oh, in wow. Minnesota. Whoa, Minnesota. <laughs> and then okay. he came to New York. Yeah. Uh, but with every like immigrant, Chinese immigrant male, male at the time right if you were a man you would be a cook a line cook or some cook of some sort and then a woman they would be seamstress in sweatshop factories so like my dad was a cook um and he kind of traveled around the entire northeast um you know because there's chinese restaurants popping up all over the city you know all over like along the uh, Atlantic coast, so think places like Maine, New Hampshire, wow. Vermont, yeah. Tennessee, North Carolina, right? He would, he would be one of those people who would uh, get contracted to go cook there wow. um, for at, at a Chinese restaurant, and wow. they would those restaurant owners would provide boarding Housing and, and yeah, and wow. like pay. So he's like well traveled within the states well, uh, oh, yeah along the <laughs> states he's more well traveled than I am yeah yeah yeah, yeah. definitely like been around yeah wow. and then like when I was and then when it got to school age when my sister and I got to school age he just decided to settle down in New, New York, York so that he can be here for us because meanwhile my mom was the one taking care of us and we were uh, we were just three gals together um, and him going around right working to, to, to uh, you know, bring the bread home. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Awesome. And then, yeah, that's, so that's what happened. When, when you guys opened, you said in 2006, how old, how old were you in 2006? When, when you guys opened the store, do you remember, roughly? Like, this is like 12. 12. Yeah. Okay, so how, well, how, do you remember exactly like when that happened and did that change maybe, yeah. you know, your lifestyle, right? So, we owned a shoe store at the time. Yeah. Um, and then the shoe store was on Delancey Street, um, right across the street from, let me see, uh, right across the street from the old Popeyes. I'm not sure if oh, you wow. remember where the Popeyes okay. is on Delancey Street. Okay. I'm not sure it was, if it's still there now, yeah. but anyways. Yeah, we owned a shoe store there, and then my dad went on this trip. And then we came back, and we suddenly started turning a corner of the shoe store into a tea store. Oh, really? Yeah, within that same within shoe, shoe store. store. <laughs> yeah, he started putting out, um, like, teas, different teas. Um, on, like, a shelf and kind of, like, turning a corner into a little tea station uh, tea store. area. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's the immigrant hustle kind of thing. It's like... As long as you rent the space, it becomes free space, and then like, or like space for you to do whatever you want uh, for fun. And so he, he like turned the shoe store into a shoe st- shoe store and jewelry store That's and amazing. like little souvenir shop. Yeah. And stuff. But then T was really left field, but he decided to do it anyways. Yeah. So did that shoe store become the first uh, good tea water location, or was that another? I think that store? was like his experimentation oh, he, phase. I see. And then the first real tea shop that we opened was on 332 grand wow 
Wow. That one was a much bigger store, and it was dedicated solely to tea. Um, it was very, very beautifully decorated. Um, really gave that like Chinese tea house feel. Um, it was decorated in like cultural, um, like Chinese cultural traditional artwork. Um, and so, I mean, at the time, we like put a lot of money into it, and we were. It was all about, you know, making it look really nice and professional. But in America, the consumption habit, and in New York, the Especially consumption here, habit, yeah. yeah, was very much coffee culture at the time, and no one really understand. No one really understood tea, and so it was really, really hard explaining to. Um, our customers why there's a shop dedicated just to tea or like why our product was worth spending say like $35 on, right. a, on a pound of tea. Like a tea cake, yeah. Right, right, right. And then, yeah, it was hard explaining to even people within our own community. It was very wow. hard explaining to Chinese people because everyone here just understood tea at that time as like, when you go to dim sum, it's the thing that you pay maybe like $2 for, but you get unlimited refill and it kind of tastes like nothing, but we're just sipping it anyways Bottom while we're tea. eating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so um, it was, I, I guess it was like really ahead of our time. And so of course that, that business didn't do so well. We had to scale a, a, scale a lot, a lot, uh, scale down by a lot afterwards. Mm. Mm. Um, and we moved to, 250 Grand Street where we kind of reconvened and we were there for a few years before we eventually moved to 301 Grand Street. Got it. Um, that's also one of the reasons why we name it Grand Tea Imports. It was kind of like a keepsake name because our stores have always been along Grand, Grand Street. Street. Yeah. So you guys have history and yeah. it means a lot to you guys, especially that street. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But did you, so were you spending a lot of time at, at these tea stores, right? Because you obviously, like, you grew up in it? Yeah. Um, so, for me, the first, the first two I spent a lot of time in um, because I was right, it was right during my late middle school years and high school years. Yeah. Um, and then when we started the, uh, when we started the third location, or when when we moved to the third location, which is where it is right now, yeah, it was right during the end of my high school, and I was going to college afterwards. So I was not there for the very beginning portions of the store. Um, I I joined that um, much later, maybe like a year into college, I started helping out there a little yeah. more. Did you, go to, did you go to school around here? College I around did, here. I went to Hunter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So but you, I mean, did you, so this is a question for you. Did you, um, did you want to help? Or was it kind of like, I feel like I should help you? Where, where do you stand on that? They asked me to help, but not, it's, it's usually unless there's an emergency or they need something to get something done under a deadline, that's when they ask me for it. So you're like the SOS. Help. Yeah. <laughs> Usually in the daily like running of the business, yeah. I'm not here. It's usually for like uh, 
we get a, a bunch of inventory and they, it needs to be like stacked or they need emergency inventory so like one location does not have something yeah. then I'd have to go to the storage to get it yeah. I'd have to go to our storage um, in Brooklyn to bring it or like someone bought a shrine then I'd have to deliver it so like we've delivered to Philadelphia really and uh, where else have we delivered New Jersey we've de de almost delivered to Virginia yeah just like drove with a giant shrine in our car um, <laughs> So that's what I'm there for. Yeah, because you know you guys don't just sell tea anymore, right? You sell no, yeah, we sell uh, Buddhist goods and cultural goods. Yeah, that's when um, the three zero one Grand Street location uh, came into the picture. That was originally a cultural goods and Buddhist goods store, and so we kind of combined the two uh, markets. Yeah, can you tell us a little bit about the location we're in now and when you when you guys opened and what? what the kind of inspiration with, with the space is? Yeah, so um, we're currently in 60 Mulberry. It opened, or we signed a lease for it in February and we moved into it like three weeks before COVID uh, shutdown happened. So I think the first week of March we moved wow. in. Um, and the inspiration for this was my dad wanted to turn it into a small little tea house um, th that like hence this like little this giant tea table here which yeah. is like covered in foil now it's to actually protect beautiful it. yeah yeah it's very beautiful yeah I love he wanted to um, serve tea because right across the street is uh, Columbus Park and people you uh, he like sees how bustling it is and <laughs> sure. now that tea is much more widely recognized he wanted to have his original idea was to um, rent out tea equipment um, and uh, like they just, the customer would choose whatever tea they want to drink. And so they would, we would supply the hot water and the equipment and they could just bring it over in like a tea set and everything. And they can go sit in the park and enjoy a little picnic, sip tea, drink tea while they hang out with their friends, loved ones, whatever. Um, because that park is actually quite bustling. A lot of people, is, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, pre-COVID, it was really bustling. People would go there just to listen to music, to it's like watch a community people. hangout. Yeah, 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 yeah. To like, I mean, tourists always also went there to listen to people play music. Yeah. And then random schools, uh, like students, would go there to play soccer yeah. and like frisbee and volleyball. Yeah. So, yeah, we were trying to, his idea, which I thought was pretty smart. It is actually. Uh, it was, so it was pretty unique. Yeah, um, was that? But I mean, COVID happened. And yeah. Well, so we let's let's to, talk about that. I mean, there there was a plan pre-COVID, and just just walk me through how the last few months have been for this location, and also maybe even your other location too. So, after COVID, or when COVID, the COVID shutdown happened, we were closed. Uh, we were put on pause for maybe like a month. And then after a month, my dad started just, I think he just got tired of the house and was could not deal with being holed up in the house. Yeah. No, I mean, he gave up on that. He seems like a very like community, he's very involved in the community, yeah. so. And he's always moving around. I, I think he like had claustrophobia being in our tiny little tenement apartment in Chinatown. And so he, 
uh, I think within the first week, actually, he just like left the apartment every single day <laughs> as if he was going to work, but none of the stores were open. So he would go he, and just lock him up, himself up in the store and he would, you know, just sit there, you know, organize some shelves, wow. put up some inventory, read wow. WeChat, meditate, read books. He would just do anything. Just hang out in the store. Yeah, just to like be not in the apartment. And he did that for over a month, I think wow. like a month and a half. And then um, afterwards, we needed to open back up even just a little bit um, because, because the rent burden was not going away. Um, this place continued to, uh, th they still continued to charge us rent here. They continued to charge us rent on Grand Street. Wow. And we actually have another location on Grand Street, but it's not an official location. Um, it's more of a showroom yeah. location. It's right above the Grand Street subway station oh, awesome. on the second floor. We had to eventually open back up, um, even just a little bit, because the three locations were all bleeding money. Um, and we were going to have to keep paying rent whether or not it was opened. Um, and so we opened up, but we did, it was, I, I, I would like quote unquote call it open up because at the time New York hadn't opened up yet. So nobody was out. on the, out on the streets or anything. Right. And so, yeah, our store would be open, but it was more of just to have it open in case someone came. We kind of just like sat around um, doing our own thing. My dad's still meditating, reading his books, organizing inventory, yeah. re, uh, uh, like reshelving some items and, and kind of um, moving the in, indoor layout of the business a lot. I can only imagine fr from his side how he saw it that like he's bleeding money by the day, but there's nothing he can do about it. You know, you get real antsy about it. And so you feel like the only thing you can help your own, you, the only thing you can do to help your own situation is just to like keep moving, keep doing something. Stay busy. Yeah. When were you guys able to reopen? Do you, do you remember? Is this like April maybe or, or May or? Kind of this location, yeah. uh, maybe like a month ago. A month ago, wow. And yeah. how has that been? Like, are, are, are you, is, is there... It's very up and down, up and down. Really? Very insecure. Um, so on some days, or like, it's generally lower than what we would usually get. But then even so, um, on the days we do have business, or like, even on the regular, it's very up and down. Some days we wouldn't make any money at all. Um, and we'd just spend the whole day here. And then other days we would get a, a, a bit of money. Um, so it's very unstable yeah. right now. And then the uh, old location, Grand Street location, when it opened back up, it opened back up like a week or two ago. Oh, wow. So, okay. Very, very recently. Yeah. Um, I mean, the city has opened back up already and so the city being opened back up and having more foot traffic on the street that it made the grand street um locations opening reopening a little less quiet right we had a little bit more bustle there yeah. whereas like when we opened up back up here it was a lot earlier and mm, so mm. 
it was a lot slower. Yeah. I mean, so you're pretty, you, you live here, you work here, and, and you know that neighborhood. So do you feel like there was definitely a, a big drop in just the livelihood and, 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 and the vibe and the feel of, of this neighborhood? Yeah. I mean, a lot of these businesses are mom and pop owned businesses and, and they're survival businesses. They're opened because their parents or like they're, they're opened by immigrants who came here and didn't see any like jobs available for them. And right. so they had to make their own job, which is to open a store. And so that's the type of business owners that we're working with in this community. And so those types of business owners, they can't just bleed rent for three months straight, four months straight and, and be expected to survive. And so um, there are a lot of vacancies in Chinatown right now. A lot of businesses had to close permanently yeah. um, in Chinatown because of COVID. Yeah. Um, that's really affected how the street even looks. I mean, it was quiet to begin with because of COVID and people not willing to be outside or yeah. like, you know, the social distancing to, to stay safe. But then now, even on a beautiful summer day, a lot of, you just like walk by the storefronts and you just see just gates down. Um, yeah. What is, I mean, what is your family's outlook on, on the situation? Are you guys like, fairly positive? Do you, do you see the light at the end of the tunnel? Like, how, where do you guys stand with that? So, we're s staying positive overall, but things are also becoming very unstable for us, too. Um, so our Grand Street location and this location, um, we're actually thinking of scaling down. Wow preparing for scaling down again. And so this, these two locations, um, we're, I think we're going to lose these two locations really? by the end of this year. Wow. Maybe before the end of this year. Um, this, this one, it just opened at a very inopportune time. But also for the Grand Street store, we were, our like 10 year lease kind of expires very soon there. And, uh, yeah, between us being a subletter of a secondhand landlord and um, property tax being very high in that location and, you know, getting no rent relief, um, that location is, it's starting to look like, okay, well, the lease is ending soon anyways. We're, like, property tax is super high there and like we're in a very precarious situation because we actually rent from a renter and the renter our like secondhand landlord is is looking to close as well wow. then it makes things even more precarious for us so it just makes sense that wow. we close that location as well so so it's not like I don't I, I wouldn't say that my family is throwing in the towel because a lot of these businesses that are closing are closing because they can't they can't deal with the situation uh, right now with the cards so badly stacked against them. We're still fighting it. I mean, like we're yeah, we're still putting in the work, but um, and and we 
want to continue and move past this epidemic uh, or move past this pandemic. Um, but the situation presently as it is, is that two of the locations will close before the end of this year. Mm, okay, so... But that doesn't mean we won't like do the business anymore. We're right. just looking for a different location now. I see, I see. So you're yeah. scouting for another location. Yeah. So like um, what I meant, maybe, sorry, I might have not like phrased that very clearly. A lot of the businesses who are closing, they're closing down for good. They're not planning on reopening. Right. We're moving out of two locations. And hopefully consolidating it into just one new location. Yeah, yeah. Okay, got it. That makes sense. So with that in mind, um, especially with you, because you... Um, speak English, you're obviously, you grew up here. How do you see yourself, like, what role do you, are you playing currently, slash, do you think you'll play as, it, as you take this business into kind of the next chapter or two? Um, so, right now, the role that I play is, um, I usually help with the, uh, kind of like the coordination of inventory, um, so before COVID, everything that we imported from China, all of our goods, I handled all the customs, all the paperwork, all the finances. Um, a lot of the coordination between like our accountant and yeah, stuff. and all the behind the scenes stuff. Yeah, applying for grants yeah. and uh, marketing, um, you know, the Instagram stuff or like newspaper articles or people who wanted to come in for an interview. I helped with that. Um, but now, I mean, moving along, moving forward, I think it's gonna stay that way, just because in the day-to-day -day operations, my, I think my parents got it. The, the, yeah. they, they know the stuff better than I do. Um, going forward though, I think my sister and I, we really want to be able to ramp up um, uh, our products so that we are able to market it to a wider community, audience. a wider audience, yeah. Like, maybe put English translations on a lot of stuff. I love that. Yeah, putting it online. Yeah, I love that. And I think that's that's where people have to start thinking now. It's not just the physical location, but also online, digital, social media being another thing too. But talk to me, lastly, like last question I have for you is, how important is it to, to keep the store alive, to keep this you know, what you guys are doing alive. Yeah, so our store's a very niche business. You know, tea is probably the most mainstream in all of the aspects of our business. The cultural Buddhist goods and feng shui goods, it's actually very, very niche, but it's, they're so, so important. All of these aspects of our business, they're so important to keep alive because Chinese customs don't stay alive because you put it in a museum or like you kind of like archetype it or like catalog it. It that would be like a dead tradition. It stays alive. Like these traditions stay alive because there's someone who's actively practicing these these uh, customs, whether it's like paper effigies or like having fruit platters to offer to the gods every 1st and 15th of the lunar month, um, uh, burning incense every day, right? Like, these practices stay alive, but in order for them to stay alive, you need to have some sort of supplier who's able to bring this to the community so that it's available and accessible 
and only when it's available and accessible and there's someone who's knowledgeable to help people along, uh, teach them about these things that they get, they continue to get practiced, right? Mm. We're already very worried or like there's already this worry within the younger generation where like you see people my age in Chinatown who's very worried that, oh my gosh, all these like things that we took for granted and we saw growing up, they might not exist for us anymore because we're more plugged into mainstream society, mainstream media, right? And so there are a lot of young people who are trying to learn these things and who have this innate interest. But if there's not someone there to meet them halfway to provide these goods for them and like be able to answer these questions if they have any like uh, concerns about how to perform these uh, ceremonies properly, then it's either going to be so hard that you know people kind of never pass that right. barrier of entry and just never, never uh, continue it. They just give That's up, sad, yeah. or they just do a simplified version like how um, a lot of the younger generations do. They just, you know, instead of doing a whole ceremony, they just kind of wham, bam, <laughs> kind of get yeah. it done. You know, like my friend, uh, she coordinated a Chinese wedding ceremony very recently. And okay. in Chinese ceremonies, there's like a whole tea, serving the tea to the in-laws, serving the tea to um, the brothers and sisters of your spouse, right? And in it, you're there's like a lot of bowing, red envelope giving, gold giving, and tea exchange, and a lot of That's tears lot, and yeah. stuff, right? We sell a lot of those products. Mm. Not saying that this person had to come to us to buy any <laughs> of this stuff, yeah. but because of COVID yeah. um, and like a lot of these goods not being available, and because she's very, she's like my age. And so she's young and she's hip. She doesn't really know how to properly do these ceremonies. And there's no one there to answer those questions. What she ended up doing with her parents and her husband's yeah, parents is they went to a park and they just brought a thermos and kind of bought a tea set and just drank tea. And called it a day? He called it a day, yeah. Wow. Took some pictures, that's it. But like, it's, a, it's supposed to be such an intimate ceremony that you're not supposed to celebrate it in a park. It's supposed to be in the wife's home. Uh, where, you know, there's like a kind of a, a promise of respect and a promise of, or this like bittersweet promise of like the daughter is going to go into, a, a join a new family or like this daughter is going to be treated well in this new I family. See, and so, um, yeah. It's sad that these traditions are dying, and so it, it, you really need to have businesses who are who, who have these products readily available, and, and experts in these businesses who are able to guide right um, uh, uh, these customers to to helping them perform or do their ceremonies properly for these tradition in order for these traditions to properly get passed on. Yeah. My mom plays that role a lot in our store. She, you know, a lot of aunties come to us asking like, how do you do something as simple to, as like uh, installing a shrine to like someone passed away, a family member passed away. How do I go about? Properly paying the respect. Yeah, pro properly paying respect. Or like, um, when's a good day to wow. do such or such thing? Right. Um, so, so yeah, we're not just suppliers of these goods, we're there in the community to help and to kind of 
guide people through this stuff, um, give our own insight to ensure that all these these uh, customs that have been performed for hundreds of years continue to get performed the right way. Yeah, I'm yeah. glad you shared that because from an outside looking in perspective, you could kind of look at this story and be like, wow, you sell a lot of stuff, like cool, but it's it just, it's yeah. much more than that. Yeah, you know yeah, yeah. I mean? and, and it's very easy for like niche, super, super traditional Chinese businesses like ours that like a random customer comes, a random customer comes in and they're like, what is this? This yeah. just, why are you selling? Looks like a shelf full of, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what. Yeah, like but, what is, why, why do you have this? And, yeah. Yeah. It could seem that way. Yeah, but like it takes someone to be able to explain it to them and show them the cultural significance for them to put a value on this stuff, right? Like that's all just paper if you want to think about it as paper. You're right. But like yeah. this paper means something for us. Yeah, and they're all used maybe for certain, like you said, traditions or customs too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's amazing. Thank you, Alice, for being on the show, for your hospitality and. Um, showing me around, showing me your store, and explaining to me how much it means to you and your family. I had, I learned so much from you and uh, your story. Uh, one of the, I think one of the most rewarding things that came out of this project was for me to get FaceTime, obviously, with these daughters of that have stepped up to help preserve the family legacy through running the store and helping their family run the store. And I can relate so much to that as well because my dad is in the restaurant business and you know I grew up in the business too without much of a choice. So just to hear another person's perspective and story was very eye-opening for me. Um, well, tomorrow we're at it again and we'll be featuring Elizabeth from Tony's Fresh Rice Noodle. So stay tuned for that. Thanks for tuning in and I'll see you next time. <laughs>